We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizzapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host, as always, every Friday, but I could never do it alone because, uh, in fact, I, I would never want to do a podcast on a Friday ever without John McKechnie. John, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing great, and uh, I, I had a great omen this morning. I was walking out to my car to, to come on down to the office, and I see a truck. I see a license plate that's got a, a Mets thing on it, so I'm already like, hmm, that's interesting. The license tag says Jabroni on it. Oh, my God. Are you sure I'm not stalking you? <laughs> you know, I've never not been sure, so I, I, I will have to send this to you. But seriously, we said, yeah, the Jabroni license plate uh, has made an appearance. It's like a divine thing. So, I mean, that just means this, this week's podcast is going to be straight gold. Well, when is it not? I mean, let's be there, honest. There. You know, we're, it's the best co- podcast around. You know, of all the podcasts, we're the best. It's terrific. <laughs> it's very, very, very good. If I say very a lot of times, clearly it means it's excellent. Uh, but we've got, uh, we do have a great show for you today. Um, let's start re- real quick. Let's talk about another big injury to the NFL, too. Richard Sherman now out for the year. Add him to the list of superstars and personalities that will not be playing in January. Uh, it's awful. And, you know, I don't want to blame Thursday night football. I don't want to blame the uniforms. I don't want to blame Roger Goodell, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Thursday night football, just from the sense of these guys and their bodies and the kind of athletes they are at this point in time in the NFL, is Thursday night football and the schedule these guys are running now, is it starting to show the adverse effect a little bit? I mean, you saw Adrian Peterson have 37 carries last week and it – it scared the ever-loving crap out of me, and I talked about it on Monday. How the hell is he going to play come Thursday after 37 carries? He's 112 years old. And it's just the product 
is not going to be good on Thursday. Should we just get rid of Thursday games and go back to the one standalone Monday night football? Or if you want to do Sunday and Monday, fine. But is three standalone games too much? Yeah, I mean, just give Thursday back to college football is is what I'm saying. Because that works because they always build in the bye week beforehand so that those games are actually good. You know, a game last night, Pitt versus UNC. Two pretty bad teams played a very entertaining game because they're rested. You know, they weren't asked to play, you know, four days after just getting totally battered up. Uh, So I I totally agree with you where the Thursday night product just isn't as good. And uh, I know we had that stretch earlier this year where uh, we had a a few Thursday night games in a row that were good. And you see the Twitter pundits being like, oh, where's the Thursday night football sucks crowd now? It's like, well, it, we're just kind of getting lucky. This is more of an aberration. I think more often than not, a Thursday night game in the NFL is probably going to be a poorly played game because these guys are just so banged up and there's no way that they're 100% going out there. I think we should just give Thursday back to must-see TV from NBC in the in the 90s. So let's just go back and give it to Seinfeld and Friends and all that stuff because, I, I, honestly, anything's better than watching the color rush uniforms on a short week with no practice. It's just – it's just not good. I mean, I know we've gotten a couple decent games out of this year, but I don't know, man. It just it doesn't seem worth it from everything no. that they're doing. All right, let's, let's get to some worthy analysis here because uh, that's what we do here on the program. Uh, quarterback, let's start with Dak Prescott. He's top of the board at 8,800. No Ezekiel Elliott this week. And for me, John, I actually think this is a positive for his value, and maybe I'm in the, you know, the minority camp here, but I'm looking at – a Dak who's going to have to do a little bit more probably on his own. I think this offense is clearly able to run through him. And mm-hmm. I'm not worried about, you know, Alfred Morris and all these guys. We'll get to them in the next segment here. But even though he's 8,800, I can justify in cash games paying for Dak because against Atlanta, who's a defunct football team right now, I'm okay with the fact that I think he's going to go three times value here and it's not going to be too hard. Uh, you, you know, uh, I think another thing that it's worth touching on is a lot of the time that the instant analysis will be, oh, Zeke's out so that, you know, the opposing team is going to know that they're throwing it all the time, blah, blah, blah. Does that really concern you when it's the Falcons? No. Like, they, 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 you can tell them what's coming, and they're still not going to be able to stop it. So I, I'm not worried about Dak at all. I think, yeah, like you said, the volume is going to increase, and I think with that, the production will. I'm not, I'm not worried about a drop-off in efficiency or anything like that. And it looks like Dez is going to be good to go. It looks like Terrence Williams is going to be good to go. I know both those guys got a little bit dinged towards the end of the Chiefs game, but it looks like they're fine. Terrence Williams played, like, the best game I've ever seen him play uh, on Sunday, too. So... Uh, I think that this passing attack is primed to kind of uh, really uh, take it to the Falcons, honestly. Yeah, and then underneath him, you've got Tom Brady at 85. Now, the numbers on Brady going into Denver, we all know, are you know are rough. You know, the, he's he's had some highly contested games there and some not so highly contested games. They're coming off a bye, which is always a positive for Bill sure. Belichick. He doesn't have Chris Hogan most likely in this game, which is a negative. However, I'm starting to wonder if Denver is one of these teams that. You know, we get to this point of the season, I think we've seen Tampa kind of, you know, implode upon itself. We've seen the New York Giants start to implode upon themselves. And I think Denver is, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the Giants went in there and beat the pants off Denver, we all look at each other <laughs> like, what the hell is that? But really, that was the beginning of the end, you know, when you think about it. And this quote-unquote great defense just gave up a 50 spot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the only thing that changes there is is that it is a, a home game for, for Denver. Um, so like you said, the, those Brady numbers uh, on the road in Denver uh, drop off a little bit and w- without Hogan. Um, but I, I just think that, that 
um, that really just changes where the production is going to come from. I'm sure uh, as a Dion Lewis whisperer, we'll get to this next, uh, you know, when we bring up running backs, but like the pass catching running backs, or if you want to avoid the corners, that just makes Gronk an even better play than usual this week. You know, they funnel the offense up the middle, uh, you know, sort of what, what Philadelphia could do with Ertz a little bit last week. I know Jeffrey had a great game too, but um, I think that this offense uh, will be adjusted to, to sort of take advantage of the weak spots of the Denver defense. Obviously, that's not the corners. Uh, I don't expect a huge drop-off from Brady, but I think that there are some guys a little bit further down the board that I would prefer to use over Tom Brady. I just think that Brady would be a fine play. All right, let's go down some of these other ones, too. you got Matthew Stafford against Cleveland coming off a very good game there. He's got a lot of high yardage totals the last couple games. I think things are trending in the right direction. He's at home. I think Stafford's going to be very highly owned, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Jared Goff was a guy we talked about last week. People probably laughed at us, but who's laughing now? Because we are. Jared, we are. <laughs> because Jared Goff was, uh, well, let's just say it, awesome. I mean, let's be, let's, let's be frank, 28 points last week. I mean, got to love that. Um, I think Goff and Stafford are very much in play again this week. Uh, both of them at home, both with good matchups. I think 8200 is a very workable price. There's then a couple quarterbacks like Ryan and Taylor I don't want to mess around with, especially with nope. Julio out uh potentially and, and Devonta Freeman dealing with an injury is just a lot of questions with not enough answers for me in Atlanta I want to talk about Marcus Mariota because Mariota is finally getting healthy you heard the coach say this week too we want to let him uh run around a little bit more and we feel the hamstring is now 100 percent uh this is a defense uh Cincinnati that does struggle against the run uh, and I'm curious if you think that Mariota might be a sneaky low ownership play this week as he continues to get guys like Corey Davis back in that lineup um, he's, he's definitely an interesting play and, and being at home against a, you know, a Cincinnati team that, that, um, isn't particularly great, um, against the pass. I think that that's interesting. Um, but really it's tough for me to, he's sort of in that, in that middle ground there where I'm either thinking the Stafford or Goff, uh, 8,200 plays, or I would go down a little bit further. Um, I'll get to this in a second. Um, but I do want to get back to Stafford is this like too good to be true? Like, is this going to be one of those ones where, where the Lions sort of Charlie Brown us? It's like, okay, they're at home against Cleveland. We just saw them dismantle <laughs> Packers on Monday night. Uh, is this like too good to be true? Is it a bit of a mirage, even though Cleveland, you know, kind of can <laughs> help, help matter? Well, Cleveland defensively, and, and we'll, we'll get to them too later on. Cleveland defensively is a, is a talented defensive team. The problem is the offense puts them in a negative spot all the time mm-hmm. and puts them on the field way too much. If this were in Cleveland, I'd agree with you 100%. But I think whenever a team like Cleveland is traveling and you're talking about an away team, I, I don't think they're going to tra- – I don't think Lucy's going to pull the ball out from under us and we're going to come crashing down and break our skulls and say good grief. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I, it's a great point. And don't think that it's, it's lost on me or that I didn't think of it as well and, and go, oh, I don't know, especially in 2017, which is the year of everything you think is going to work uh, is basically crap. Uh, so that's, that's not going to be it, but it, it, it's in Detroit and because Mm -hmm. it's in Detroit, I'm going to say that Cleveland is going to be, you know, who we think they are and they are going to, and, and look also, I think the other reason too, if there was an alternate for Stafford, like if he could turn around and hand the football off a little more or do something like that, yeah, but but they can't, they have zero run attack. So, (laughs) and they, yeah, they pulled the plug on Abdullah pretty much last week. I thought. Yeah, and I don't love Stafford. Like, I think he's a two-times value guy. I don't think he's a potential for three like Dak is. See, that's mm-hmm. why I like Dak so much because, to me, Dak is that three-times value quarterback, especially because Atlanta is just 
like I said, they just have nothing going on for them right now. Everything is just starting to swirl downward. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, is the trap this week because okay. he's on the road. Mm-hmm. Without looking, tell me, what do you think the highest point total Ben Roethlisberger's had all year? Uh, just period? Yeah, in, in FanDuel scoring. What, what would be the number in your head? What was like the highest he's had? All right, swear, swear, swear to the listeners I'm not looking. Oh, uh, I know. You're, not, you're an honest guy. Uh, 19? 17. Ah. He's never had higher than 17 in a game this year. And I just want to point that out for people who are going to be in love with him against the Colts this week. If this were in Pittsburgh, maybe I'd be a little bit more. But, I mean, he is nothing more than a two-times value potential anyway. You want to give him salary relief or you want to think there's upside, okay. But I'm not kidding if I'm saying this. I'd rather have Josh McCown at 74. Yes, let's go. Yes. Yes. Have, yep, first run through making my lineup uh, last night. Uh, McCown, McCown is who I landed on. Tampa Bay is god-awful defensively. And I think, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick being under center and them losing Mike Evans and having no semblance of a ground game, you're just talking about Cleveland's offense just giving the ball back after three and outs constantly. We're going to see a lot of that from Tampa Bay, in my opinion. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think the Jets are going to get a ton of possessions and uh, you can really, really attack Tampa Bay uh, through the air. Their corners have been shoddy uh, that, you know, I know they made some acquisitions at at safety, just haven't panned out for whatever reason. It seems like McCown is is starting to click with Robbie Anderson. Um, So I do like Robbie Anderson this week as well at 6,500. I think you could do a lot worse uh, than McCown and you can really load up uh, elsewhere if you use uh, him at 7,400. And you've got the great Ryan Fitzpatrick revenge narrative game against the Jets, which, uh, you know, I mean, obviously a hashtag sarcasm here. Right. But, you know, it, it's funny between McCown, <laughs> this is a fun stat I picked up too. Between McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick, how many NFL teams have they played for? Uh, I'm going to guess uh, 14. Close, 17. So oh. basically, any given week they're is playing. The number of the day. Right. Any given week they're playing, they're, uh, it's a revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more often than not. Oh, it's that's just incredible. It, isn't that incre- unbelievable? And, and you want to talk about another team that's imploding on itself. There you go, the Tampa Bay Bucks with you know the, the Mike Evans situation there. I love Mike Winston. Evans. I was so disappointed to see him just kind of. I think he's just lost. You know what? Yeah. I think it was just one of those everything's just going to crap and you just lose your cool for a moment. So I, I'm going to give Evans a pass. When, you, when like your quarterback too. says go eat a W before the game, it just messes you up in the head a little bit. Did yeah, you see I, the Jameis Winston speech? No, but oh uh, I saw God. him stick it's his most... finger under the guy's helmet and that was enough for me to go, dude, what are you doing? All right, I'll have to send you the Winston pregame speech. Please. It's the most cringeworthy thing I've seen eat all year. Eat a W. It's, eat it a makes w. no sense. <laughs> God, what a moron. <laughs> all right, Eli Manning at 6,700. It's not from the faint of heart. Okay, this is a complete tournament play only. But the reason I'm saying this is is to go back to what are we looking for? We're looking for value, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Eli Manning and Evan Ingram are have a thing going on right now, and it's a very positive thing. Last week was a complete disaster, but the Rams' defense is not the 49ers' defense. The 49ers' defense is god awful, dreadful, and you know they're last against the rush. They're 24th against the pass, and for me, I'm looking at Eli. And I'm saying 6,700 as a tournament play. If he should hit 20 points, which is not out of the realm of possibility, you know, pairing him with a shepherd who's relatively cheap as well, I think there's opportunity if you're doing multiple lineups that Eli Manning in a tournament in a multi-entry is worthy of a stash. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm with you there, man. Uh, you know, the, the 49ers are sort of the great equalizer. Um, you know, if you're looking at a cheap 
quarterback and it's like, oh, well, they are going against the Niners. You, more often than not, you're going you're gonna to find a way to, to make it work. And I, I think that um, I think that, that's certainly the case this week. I think you bring up the good point uh, with Evan Ingram. The offense definitely looks different than it did, you know, week week two through whenever Odell got hurt. But, um, you know, they've had a few weeks to kind of get things figured out. Ingram and Shepard sort of are the guys now. And it's not always the prettiest. But going against the Niners, uh, I think it makes sense this week. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree. I'm, I'm there. Like I said, not for the faint of heart. This is not like your one tournament entry. But if no. you want to go out there, you know, and Eli allows you to go up to the board too and, and go up and get an Antonio Brown and a Gronk in your lineup. So it's, it's not a terrible play. And I think there's enough floor where I don't think it's going to crush you. You know, I don't see Eli Manning going up there and putting a 10 spot against San Francisco. He's, he's too much of a professional, even though I'm not the biggest Eli fan. All right, let's talk about running backs here. Todd Gurley had himself another good week, but 9,600, I have a tough no time. Can't do yeah. it. No way. Can't do it. Won't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> not going to make it happen. Le'Veon Bell, 9,400. Now, this I will do. <laughs> this oh, I will yeah. do, and I will do this all day. I will Le'Veon Bell, and I will Le'Veon Bell hard. And the reason I say to do this is because when I look at Lev Bell, I say, okay, there's an opportunity for, you know, he's going to catch the ball in the backfield. He's going to run the ball. You know the amount of touches is going to be huge. And if they have a lead, it could even increase that amount of touches. And when Ezekiel Elliott's not on the board and Leonard from not, uh, is fresh off uh, not taking his class picture, you know it's going to be a, a tough spot there to find those big cash game running backs. And to me, it's Lev Bell. Yeah, and I think it's it's also just kind of worth pointing out, you know, as the, as the season has, has bared out, um, that re- the elite receivers, they're, they're getting fewer and fewer and further between. Uh, I mean, aside from like your Antonio Browns and, and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, I think some of that is pumped up from the Deshaun Watson uh, weeks, rest in peace, but um, it, running backs have been the mo- much more stable commodity in DFS and, and in fantasy in general this year. So if you want to go, go ahead and pay up for, for, um, you know, something in the nine thousands at a skill spot, running backs, the way you, you go more, more so than receiver receiver has been a lot more volatile this year. So I, I, I tend to have a hard time picking between bell and Brown. I usually try to get one of them in a given lineup, but I think you got to give it to bell this time. Yeah, and you can get Bell and Brown together. And just because you have Bell, Bell and Brown doesn't mean you need Roethlisberger this year right now. I'm oh, telling you, sure. I, know, I know that sounds like an incongruous, impossible idea to wrap your head around, but I'm telling you, you don't need Roethlisberger. In fact, I think it's actually a negative. You know, Brown is going to be able to be productive. It's the salary that what Roethlisberger is and just the lack of upside he's shown you this year where he hasn't gone over 17 points all season. He's already retired. All right, let's talk about Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I keep waiting for the picture of Leonard Fournette with the lasers behind him. You know, like everyone gets that school picture. <laughs> Holding I, a cat like I'm, the Bo Pelini Yeah, <laughs> like I'm waiting for that meme and I haven't gotten it on the internet. And I'm just telling you, internet right now, you failed me. You yeah, failed me. What are you doing? Yeah, what the hell, dude? I mean, where's my Leonard Fournette with the lasers behind him? Or like 280 characters on Twitter, but we can't get one Fournette 90s school picture. Can I get him with his hands on a piece of wood with leaves behind him with like a nice autumn background can i please just get that for the love of god uh so for net last week i went on tilt like 10 minutes before lineup lock to get <laughs> my oh, lineup I, I, was, I was so mad i just went to an alpaca farm instead of watching <laughs> the early window i i wish i had but instead i ended up changing things and i ended up taking uh ty hilton out of a lineup which Ugh. was a big mistake and oh. i ended up uh taking sammy Watkins out of a different lineup uh, to make it so everything that we talked about friday i hope you all listened 
because I didn't. And at the last, because of the last minute for net change, I had to make and move pieces around and uh i should have just taken the zero for fournette <laughs> i would have been better off oh uh, but let's let's talk about him i i think i'm good with him this week mm-hmm. um it's the rest of this group here where we go against mccoy and gordon that i'm starting to get a little concerned because with mccoy and gordon new orleans has played much better defensively we all know jacksonville defensively i don't think either of these guys is a great investment i think there's a lot of risk here yep. if i had to lean one i'd probably lean mccoy just yep. because of how important he is to the offense. What about you? You want to even dabble with McCoy or Gordon this week? Yeah, ne- neither of them really really get me excited. And and you do bring up the great point on New Orleans. That, that's been one of the kind of pleasant surprises in, in the entire NFL this year is that the Saints are actually playing defense again. Uh, but it's more against the pass than, than the run that I'd be uh, shy, shying away from. So I'd, I'm worried about using a tie rod. Uh, certainly wouldn't use a Kelvin Benjamin, but McCoy, uh, their run defense is still a little bit soft, so I could see where McCoy works. Um, but yeah, for 600 le- or 700 less to go to Gordon uh, against a Jags team that, that totally shut down the Bengals' rushing attack, shut down everything. Uh, now that they have Marcel Darius, um, the one problem had been their run defense. That's not an issue anymore, so I, I'm not using Melvin Gordon. I think that he, he's a trap, um, and and I think just price-wise, I don't think you're going to get a ton of value out of McCoy when you can go 400 up and get Fournette against a terrible run defense. All right, Jordan Howard at 72 is going to be a lock for 20-plus carries. The trouble is, is he going to be a lock What's to go two do? times value? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and they're coming off the bye, which one would think that would mean they're going to let Trubisky throw the ball a little bit more and have a couple, you know, just maybe continue to take the reins off a little. So I think a lot of people in the industry right now are talking about Howard and the volume and the volume against Green Bay and maybe on the other side of that game too with Jones and Montgomery. But I'm telling you right now, I think it's a huge trap staying away from both of them. I will go with Kamara though in the in-between and yes, Ingram. Sir. It's funny. Now Ingram is underneath Kamara after the big week. It's amazing. And it's only a hundred dollar difference. And I kind of wonder, you know, as great as Kamara has been now, if you take him out of the dome, I wonder if because of the weather's going to be cold, if this is more of a Mark Ingram pound kind of situation where Kamara's ownership might be double that of Ingram. That. Yeah, I think that the ownership, like the game theory there definitely makes a lot of sense where, where Ingram, uh, even though he is technically cheaper now, um, he I th- still think that Kamara is going to be the the guy that you'll see in a lot more lineups uh, this week. But I still think it's worth it, um, even, w- even with uh, that all in, in play. I think Ingram would be a fine play uh, in his own right. But I think Kamara, uh, the way that they use him is so creative. Uh, use him sort of as like the de facto like third option in the passing game. Um, I think that there's there's no way that he doesn't go for you know at least double digit points. It, does he get you the two times value? Uh, that's where I'm a little bit concerned. But I think Buffalo's defense as a whole, like if you look at their season long numbers, they they still look like a pretty competent unit. But I, I would I would guess over the last four or five weeks that that unit as a whole has taken a pretty big step back. So I think the Saints uh, still have a pretty easy time scoring on them, and I think Kamara is a big reason why. All right, the next guy that I really like on the list today uh, is Jarek McKinnon at 66. You know, with everybody talking about the quarterback situation up there in Minnesota, and, you know, I know they're on the road to Washington, but, you know, I feel like with Kamara playing as well as he did last week and some of the other running backs here with Alfred Morris getting so much attention, the guy kind of lost in the shuffle is Jarek McKinnon, who in his last four games, three of the last four, he had 22-plus points. And – I, I want to say that again because I feel like it's being lost on people. 22 plus points 
at 6,600 against a Washington defense that, you know, I don't care what, I mean, they're mediocre. They're completely mm-hmm. mediocre. They're middle of the road across the board. And the only game that he didn't play well against was in, you know, against Baltimore and Baltimore defensively, we all know uh, we've seen a couple weeks now, you know, they show up and they have a, a ton of talent and they did that what they had to do. That was a weird Latavius Murray game too. It was also a weird Latavius ball. Murray game. Right. So it, that was just an odd one, but 20 something points. I mean, this is like Fournette territory. Mm-hmm. This is Le'Veon Bell territory and he's 6,600. If you're making a lineup this week and it doesn't have McKinnon in it, I think you're just doing it wrong. I think you're right. I mean, those are all really good points. And really, I think just uh, we got another week where I think the Vikings go a little bit more ground heavy. And I think going against Washington, that's a good thing. Washington's coming off of like a total slugfest of a game uh, this past week against uh, Seattle, whereas Minnesota is going to be fresh off the bye. Um, I do like McKinnon a fair bit. All right, let's talk about Bilal Powell because I guess we have to uh, at Tampa Bay with Forte uh, questionable and really trending in a bad direction. There will be some people who want to take that opportunity again against Tampa. I personally can't get there. Um, You know, I've been burned on Powell a couple times this year. We had the opportunity. It didn't work out. Uh, Deion Lewis, who you mentioned now, I I am the Deion Lewis whisperer. This is a Denver, um, a tricky spot, that's for sure. That Denver defense against the run's been pretty good. I'm going to say no. I'm not no, – no Deion Lewis this week. Okay, okay. I'm going to say it. And In fact, if I have to pick a Patriots running back, it's going to be Rex Burkhead this week. There you Dang. go. Okay. It's the, Rex, it's the Rex Burkhead week. We'll see if I'm right this week. And uh, if not, then by all means, everyone can make fun of me. All right, let's talk about the, uh, the elephant in the room, Alfred Morris, 5,400, who, you know – Right now, it seems to be Alfred Morris is, is going to be the guy, or at least the lead. But to me, that's not a definitive circumstance. That's mm-hmm. not a, here you go, here's 20 carries. I mean, it, what's your expectation here for him? You think he gets, you know, 15 carries and somebody else gets 10 and McFadden gets five? Like, or, or, How do you think this shakes out here? Yeah, I, th- I think Morris, he'll at least – get like the 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 most carries of that backfield but i i would be i would set the over like over under at like 13 and a half carries honestly um and then they That's just a good kinda, number yeah and then they just kind of mix it with with uh, mcfadden and, and rod smith the rest of the way um i think they really try to go heavy on the pass there um as they as they kind of start to figure things out and uh without ezekiel elliott um so i really don't expect a ton from this from this rushing attack, even against the Falcons, who are pretty bad against the run in general, I just think that either you know either of these guys, uh, they're going to take value away from the other. So I just don't see a situation where this really works out very well for anyone that, that goes that route. No, and I know we're spending a lot of time on the running backs today, but I think we have to just because of the way the slate is is looking. Um, and it, it's a it's a tricky spot. I mean, because kind of like that Oakland situation a couple weeks ago when Lynch was out. I think we said, whichever one you pick, you'll probably be wrong. Yeah. I kind of feel it's the same way right now. Until there's a little bit more clarity, I don't want to make an investment in it. If you do a multi-entry and you want to have one in one and one in the other because they're the same price in another lineup, that's fine. Like I get that strategy and you're hoping you can hit, but not everybody has that kind of bankroll to play those kinds of, of contests. So uh, last two guys I want to talk about, uh, Devontae Booker, who I think is going to start trending in the right direction. Last week, the game script did not go in his way at all. I think in full point PPR, he's a guy you should keep uh, in mind because I think he's going to catch the ball as well. And the last one is Darkwa, who there I don't go. love, but I keep coming back to the same thing where at 5,300, 
he's had a couple 13-point games. Again, last week, not a game that went in his uh, game script at all. Not a lot of, you know, a, a opportunity there. So, for me, I, I think this is where I'm looking at. And I'm, I'm looking at those guys. as Those are your dart throws of the week at running back that deserve attention if you want to get strange and do some multi-entry work. All right, let's go to wide receiver. Antonio Brown, we already talked about him, top of the board, love him. A.J. Green, uh, eh. Not, not so much. The, did you enjoy the AJ Green fight? You know, as a, as a fellow Georgia Bulldog, I was I was kind of sad about it. I don't think he came out of that looking particularly good. And then I thought he had a pretty good takedown. He, yeah, but like you, you, you wish it was straight up though, instead of coming from behind. I don't know. Um, yeah, that that whole thing kind of bummed me out. And then just, yeah, like I said, Ramsey just kind of dragging him in the media afterward. That was that was rough to watch. But uh, yeah, AJ Green for seventy nine hundred. Uh, He's probably fine there, and certainly, like he, you're picking him over over like a hampered Julio Jones in an offense that somehow uh, forgot how to make him work. Um, so I, I like Green in that sense, but I'm probably trying to shy away from this upper upper tier uh, of receivers this week. Yeah, outside of Brown, that's the one. Now, without Hogan, Cooks is I think more in play. Um, but still, it's a tough sell. I mean, it's 76. I'd rather go down, especially when you got Michael Thomas doing the injury, Dez with an injury, groin for Hilton. You know, the receiver is tough, and that's why we spent so much time on running back because I think it's crucially get that right this week. Yes. But you got guys like Golden Tate at 74, um, and Marvin Jones we'll talk about too. Those are two guys that I think are – you know, Marvin Jones' red zone targets have been way up this year, and I think that bears witness, and Golden Tate's volume has been very strong. Those two guys in particular, I am very high on this week. If you had to pick one, would you go Tate or would you go Jones? Um, I think I think Jones probably right now. I, I know that last week sort of uh, shows shows what he can do when the, when the Lions are clicking correctly and the, those red zone looks. And Jones, you know, for for not being like the biggest guy, he really goes and gets it. Like he plays with the, with that sort of tenacity where he plays bigger than he is. And especially, and that really obviously uh, helps his case in the red zone. And I don't really think that either of those, those Browns corners are going to be able to stop him. So I would go with Jones. I think the floor is a lot safer with Tate and you know, those, those yards after the catch are, are money in the bank. He's like the best guy at that in the league. Uh, so you can't go wrong with either, but I probably think that that Jones has a bit more touchdown upside. All right, I'm going to read some targets for you and tell me if you get excited about these. 8, 8, 8, 13, 12, 10. That exciting volume for you? Yeah, absolutely. Who is right. this? Adam Thielen. The there we go. At only 7,000. Now, you know, say what you will. We already talked about McKinnon, but I know Thielen hasn't always returned. He's only got one touchdown in the red zone this year, but he's had a lot of targets there. And with Stefan Diggs continuing to kind of struggle back a little bit, I think Thielen is very much in play this week, and I think that's one you really should pay attention to. Uh, and, and you know what? You know, one more thing, too, about Jones and Tate. You know, there was enough for them last week. Totally. Both of them had good games. There's no reason you have to choose. We're just trying to pick them apart this way. Uh, I don't like Kelvin Benjamin this first shot out of the gate, no. but I will say in this lower tier, uh, Robbie Anderson at 65 I think is highly intriguing. Yes, I do too, and and it – it kind of stinks looking looking right here because I think there's a lot to be had from from this uh, specific tier. Uh, even like three hundred dollars more expensive. I know Thomas Demarius Thomas is a little bit banged up, um, but you know that New England doesn't have a great secondary right now. So I think Thomas, just by virtue of the volume, uh, makes a little bit of sense. I think that you know people just look at the fact that Brock Osweiler is going to be starting and probably just take any. Uh, 
Denver guy off their board, but I think Thomas makes some sense. Uh, but Anderson, uh, he's been seeing great target volume. And, and again, like we let off the show with, um, the Tampa Bay secondary is just putrid. And I think Anderson, uh, you know, big, big, fast guy, you know, 6'3", that runs like a 4'4". Mm-hmm. Um, he's, got the, he's got the talent to really make them pay. Um, I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on Juju Smith-Schuster because I think I like him a lot, but, you know, if, it, if it's between Anderson or Smith-Schuster, I think Anderson's a safer play, but I do like Juju a lot this week as well. I like Juju, but I think I'd rather go Anderson because I think, you know, you can always have that, that moment. See, there's nobody to steal Robbie Anderson's thunder. You know yeah. what I mean? Brown and Bell could absolutely ruin a Smith-Schuster day because, I mean, it's very easy for him to have three catches for 30-something because we've seen that. We've seen those kind of games. Yeah. It's, it's harder for Robbie Anderson and the Jets to do that because they kind of need him. I think the need base of Robbie Anderson is so much higher that for the same price, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. And he's, look, he's got three touchdowns in his last three games. Uh, Anderson, to me, is definitely a lock. Uh, as you continue to go down this grouping – you know, we did get Watkins right. I just want to, you know, throw that out there for oh, every now yeah. and then when we get an Alex Collins wrong, you know, we get two Sammy Watkinses and we got Sammy right this past no, that's week. A, that's been a thing that's been hard to get right this year, so I feel particularly good about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I feel very – it was it was very uh, life-affirming to watch him. I don't care if it's one big catch. I don't care. It's all he needs. That's what Sammy Watkins has always been. You just got to understand when the opportunity is there. And with Jenkins out, it was – that was the opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordy Nelson's bottomed out at 64. I want nothing to do with any of the Packers. I'm sorry, uh, Wisconsin. I'm, I'm out. Uh, Muhammad Sanu will be a trendy pick this week, but I'm warning everyone with Julio out, if Sanu should have to move to the outside, I don't think that's as good for his value as it is when he's playing in the other spot. So I'm, I'm not – at 59, it's, it's not a terrible risk. I just don't think it has the upside people want it to have if Julio Jones is not on the field. If he is on the field – I think Sanu comes back into play. Okay, that that makes that makes sense. Yeah, the a potential role change I think would be a little bit concerning. Um, but you know, in a vacuum, uh, say Julio Jones is playing. Do you like him or do you like Corey Davis uh, for a hundred dollars less? <sighs> yes, and this is a problem for me because you know I love Corey Davis. I'm a, I'm a Corey Davis fan. Uh, I would probably go with Sanu because I'm still waiting for Corey Davis to get integrated and fully up to speed, and I worry about the snap count. I know it's going to be higher this week than it was last week, but I would lean Sanu just a hair. I know Sterling Shepard will be popular at 57 too. There's a lot of guys here. You can even go down to the Goodwins of the world, too, in Tampa if you want to try that yes, kind of a dart throw. thank you. Yeah, no, I think that that's actually viable this week. Like, I'm glad you brought him up, but 4,500, uh, stepping into a starting role without Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is is really, really effing good. I, I watched him. In, <laughs> in, he is. Like, I, yeah, I was huge on him in college. I was surprised he fell to where he did in the draft. And, and you know, I think it's just the virtue of Tampa Bay having veteran – pricey star veterans and Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans uh, sort of blocking him from getting on the field. So this is kind of a one week deal. I don't love Godwin the rest of the way for season long this year, but I think uh, he makes a ton of sense and Fitzpatrick, you know, for how, how, you know, mediocre of a a quarterback he actually is he does try to push the ball uh downfield a fair bit I think in terms of air yards you know most of his passes average out at around 10 yards which is pretty solid for down the field so I think Godwin uh definitely is in play at 4,500 if you're pinched and you need a minimum salary guy 
Uh, Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams, too, depending on the Dez status as you get closer. That's one to worth monitor, especially Beasley in the full PPR. He could be a very tricky play. All right, over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes. With your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, void where prohibited. All right, let's do the tight ends. Gronk, obviously, um, I'm going to say it's a Gronk smash week. We, yes. we go back and forth whether it is or it isn't. We've, been a, we've had a very good record on this. Uh, I'm going to say it is, especially with um, them needing to go and play a little bit more physical with Denver. I think a lot of Gronkowski in this one. Uh, Evan Ingram is 100% in play this week at 74. Totally. And it's at $700 less than Gronk. I think a better value by far this week. You know, you just take a lot of that risk out with Gronk. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true. And and Ingram just sees such a heavy target volume now that, you know, pretty much he's he's like the last guy standing. Uh, he's a fellow Ole Miss alum, just like Eli. So, like you said, the, the chemistry is certainly there. And going against San Francisco, uh, they can't stop anyone, um, you know, whether it's out wide or from, from the tight end spot or where Evan, play, Evan Ingram plays plays from um so yeah i like him the most out, out of the tight ends this week from a combination of price and upside now it's not a great tight end week uh i know jordan it's reed's friending in the right direction you got Brayton now playing with fitzpatrick which i think will still be okay but i think the guy that if i'm gonna fade the top group i'm not fading too far i'm not worried about any of these other guys i'm not playing around oj howard i'm not playing around with kyle rudolph even though the matchup is good I'm just not doing it you know rudolph you can make a case for but to me, it's Austin Severian Jenkins against Tampa. They struggle with the tight end as well. And I'll tell you what, too. Um, Jenkins should have more touchdowns on the season already. He should have two <laughs> more that have really just not gone his way. So if you add those and you're looking at a guy that's got five touchdowns on the season already in limited work, I think that's a very impressive body for Austin Severian Jenkins. And, you know, the target volume has been pretty decent as well. Yeah, so I mean, outside if you wanted to get a part of that uh, Jets pass game, that and you don't go the Robbie Anderson route, then Safarian Jenkins, I think, is, is the obvious uh, next guy to to get at. Uh, and again, I, I think we both just agree that Tampa Bay's secondary isn't really going to be able to slow down even the Jets. Like that's how bad it's gotten. Even a Josh McCown Jets team is going to put up points on them. So Safarian Jenkins definitely going to get in on the action, be a part of that. All right, now the Jacksonville Jaguars defense has been absolutely brilliant. They're 5,200. Although they're not the top of the board, they're still the best defense on the planet. The Rams are higher priced than them because you've got, you know, Tom Savage coming into town. But I would still rather have Jacksonville, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, it's just, it just makes sense. More turnover upside. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, Rivers is apt to throw a couple picks too. Yes. So there's a lot of turnovers there for Jacksonville. Uh, the only other defense, as you continue to go down, I want to talk about two real quick before we head out of here. New Orleans Saints at 44. I think there's a great opportunity there for them. I'm a little concerned about the weather, you know, how they're going to transition. But, look, they've played very, very well. And at 44, I think they're the best value. And then I, it bears witness here. The Cleveland Browns defense is 3,500. Now, I know they're not, you know, a great fantasy defense. However, do you kind of look at that and go, well, I just need seven. Yeah. And they've, you know, that's all I need. And then it allows me to go up so far because we're not talking like they're 4K. They're 3,500. Right. Yeah. That is, that is insanely cheap. I mean, that, that's that got to be, you know, the cheapest entity period on the board. Um, and then, 
Did, didn't we use this strategy a few weeks ago and it worked out pretty well? I think it, we might have picked like Indianapolis against a, a good offense or something like that, and it actually pay, paid off. So sometimes these really, really cheap defenses, um, if, you, if you pick the, the right matchup or, or you, know, you just frame it correctly where you just don't need a ton of points from them, you just, like you said, you just need seven, you need two times value, it makes some sense. And Cleveland can get to the quarterback, and Miles Garrett's going to be back. Uh, um, going against Detroit's offensive line. So I think we could see some sack totals there, maybe a turnover for, from one of the running backs, and voila, then then you don't have just a total zero from your defense. All right, here we go. The bonus question of the week. Last week, John McKechnie got on the board again. The question was, uh, it was a nail-biter, and, and, it, and it came in late because it was a while there. It was looking pretty good. It was, who's going to score more points, the Colts' defense or Tom Savage? John took Savage. Uh, I took the Colts' D. Colts D scored eight, so I was pleased because that was that was what I was looking for for them. I wanted their two times value, and they gave it to me. Well, well done, Colts. And then on the other side, it was Tom Savage and uh, ten point seven six. You just did it by two point seven. I mean, there's your nail biter. So John McKechnie uh, is on the. It's getting close now. Five for John, six for me. One tie on the year so far. Uh, this week's question: Who will score more? Jacksonville defensive points or big Ben Roethlisberger, who I already said has not scored more than 17 points in any given week. I'm going to take the Jacksonville defense. Which way are you going there? Um, Will you take the, the Ben Roethlisberger against the Colts? Will yeah, you- I'll go. I'll go the bad quarterback one more time because it worked for me last time, and that it worked somehow with Tom Savage. So I think that he, Roethlisberger has a bad game overall, but I still think that there's enough talent around him to just pump up uh, his overall bottom line here. So I'll, I'll go. Uh, Roethlisberger, I, I feel terrible about it, though. Excellent. I love when you feel dirty about it. If you feel dirty and alone on a Friday night, you can tweet <laughs> at John McKechnie, at Johnny McKex. You can follow I'll respond. me. <laughs> I'll respond. Hey, what are you wearing? Uh, you can follow him at Johnny McKex. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great weekend of Daily Fantasy.